This is a story from the land of Nod. Hi, my name is Annie and I create everything that you see and hear here at Land of Nod. If you would like to support the work that I do, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash land of Nod learning. Thank you. The Sleeping Beauty Once upon a time in a country far, far away, there lived a king and queen whose joy in life became complete when they had a lovely baby girl. So happy were they that they decided to have the grandest feast anyone had ever heard of to celebrate the baby's christening. It was well known that there were seven good fairies in the land and the king invited them all to be present at the great event, hoping that each would bless the baby with some good gift. On the day of the christening, the palace was at its most resplendent. Lights shone even to the highest tower, to the strains of exquisite music, fountains tinkled in basins of snow-white marble, and the fragrance of a thousand flowers rose to perfume the air. The baby herself lay in a cradle of gold amid coverlets woven of rose-petal silk. The royal guests, gorgeously robed, seated themselves at the gleaming banquet tables. And everyone applauded as the seven good fairies, looking like rainbow-tinted angels, came winging into the great hall and stood smiling around the royal cradle. My gift to the little princess, said the first fairy, shall be beauty. She will be the loveliest lady in the land. I, said the second, bestow upon her the gift of intelligence. She shall have the sweetest disposition in the world, the third declared. The fourth wished her the grace of a flower. And the voice of a nightingale, added the fifth. And for me, said the sixth, she shall have the gift of making music on any musical instrument she touches. So happy were the king and queen and all the guests that no one noticed the arrival of an evil old witch who had slipped into the banquet hall while the sixth fairy was speaking. The witch had, of course, not been asked to the princess's christening and she was angry at the slight. She stood in the shadowy corner of the banquet hall waiting for a chance to make trouble. Now, she figured, her time had come. Although it turned out she was mistaken, she thought the last wish had been made by the seventh fairy. So, stepping forth, her face ugly with hatred, she said to the king and queen, Ha! You think I am not good enough to be a guest at your daughter's christening? You despise me? Well, I'll get even with you. I am going to make a wish that will be a lifelong curse upon your child. And this is it. One day she will try to spin at a spinning wheel. When she does, the spindle will prick her finger and she will immediately fall down dead. So saying, the evil witch disappeared, the sound of her eerie laughter echoing in the ears and hearts of the horrified guests. A terrible hush fell on the christening party, which had been so happy just a moment before. The poor king and queen were all but out of their minds with grief. 
but lo, suddenly there appeared the seventh of the good fairies, who, as you remember, had not yet wished her gift on the little princess. In a voice clear and lovely as a silver bell, she said, Unfortunately, I have no power to undo the curse the evil witch has just put upon the princess. The girl's finger, alas, will be pricked by a spindle. But I decree that when that happens, she will only seem to pass away. Actually, she will be in a deep, deep sleep. A sleep so deep that it would last a hundred years. Long enough to make the evil witch consider her dead. But during those hundred years, the princess will remain as young and lovely as she is on the day she falls. She will be known, therefore, as Sleeping Beauty. And when the hundred years are over, she will be awakened by a prince who will have the power to break this evil witch's spell. With these words, the fairy joined her sisters and all seven disappeared in a rainbow-coloured mist. As the little princess grew older, all the good fairy's wishes came true. She was lovely, intelligent, sweet, kind, thoughtful and graceful, and she was wonderfully versed in music and all of the arts. Everybody loved her. Of course, no one ever whispered a word to her about the witch's curse and the king gave strict orders forbidding anyone to ever bring a spinning wheel into the palace or even to mention the subject of spinning. So the princess grew in happiness to girlhood. On her 16th birthday, the king and queen planned a celebration that was to outshine even the magnificence of her christening. Nobles of the highest rank were invited and the entire palace was decorated with a blaze of lights. The perfume and colours of the flowers were matched in beauty only by the robes and jewels of the guests and the elegance of the banquet hall. The princess was radiant in a gossamer gown that shimmered like dewdrops in the sun. And oh, how happy she was and how gracious and lovely to all the guests. After the feasting, there was dancing and those of the young nobleman who had the honour of dancing with the lovely princess felt themselves very fortunate indeed. In the midst of the heat and excitement, the princess felt the need of getting a little air and of being alone just for a time. I know what, she said to herself. I shall go up into the topmost tower of the castle. It will be cool there and I shall be alone and able to look out and see the stars. Difficult as it was, she managed to slip out of the great hall unnoticed. Light as a bird, she skipped up the many flights of stairs to the tower. She had never seen it before and she thought it quite exciting to be going there now alone, the sounds of merrymaking from below growing fainter and fainter. At last, she reached the top, or what she thought was the top, but there were no windows through which she might look at the stars. To her amazement, she found herself in a turret entirely walled in except for a tiny door. Timidly, she opened the door and found that it led to a steep flight of winding stairs. Lured on by her curiosity, she climbed the steps and came upon a strange sight. 
there, in an ancient tower, sat an old lady, so old and so deaf that she never heard anything that went on in the castle below. She was sitting at an antique spinning wheel, spinning silken threads of many colours. The princess was fascinated. What is it you do here? She asked, her gestures and her friendly smile showing the lady what she meant. I am spinning, my dear, replied the old woman. How fascinating, exclaimed the princess. May I try? The old lady was only too willing to let the princess sit at her wheel. But being quite untaught at spinning art, the princess went about it awkwardly. And just as the wicked witch had predicted at the christening, the spindle pricked the princess's finger. Immediately the girl fell in a dead faint on the floor. Greatly alarmed, the old woman screamed loudly for help. Soon the babble of excited voices and the scuffle of shoes rose up the stairs. Led by the king and queen, the great crowd of noblemen and noblewomen, courtiers, ladies-in-waiting and palace attendants jammed into the tiny turret. When they saw the lovely princess lying as if dead on the floor beside the spinning wheel, they knew that the evil witch's ancient curse had begun to work. They tried in every way they knew to revive the girl, but in vain. They could not bring to life so much as the flutter of an eyelash. So the king and queen had the princess carried down to her own room. Her maids lay her gently, robed just as she was in her shimmering gown on her royal bed of exquisitely carved woods hung with curtains of transparent cloths of gold. A smile of heavenly sweetness on her lips as she lay motionless on the bed. The princess looked indeed like a sleeping angel. The king and queen were of course shaken with grief, but they felt it their duty to bid the guests return to the banquet hall and continue the festivities. The spirit of merrymaking had faded away, and even as they danced, they did so with hushed voices and to muted music. After a while, the king and queen, heavy-hearted but with a royal sense of duty, came slowly down the grand staircase to join their guests once again. Just as they entered the great hall, in through the window flew the princess's seventh fairy, the one who at her christening had decreed that she would not die, but would sleep for a hundred years instead. Of course, fairies always know instantly what happens to their loved ones, even in the most distant parts of the world. So this fairy, who was deeply interested in everything that had happened to the princess, arrived at the palace as soon as she knew that the girl had fallen into her sleep. Seeing the stricken faces of the king and queen as well as the guests, the fairy took in the whole tragic scene in front of her. She realised that if all these people grew old and died, as they naturally would within a hundred years, the princess would be terribly frightened and lonely when she awoke. There would be nobody she knew to talk to, nobody at all in fact, except of course the prince. But she wouldn't know him either. The fairy decided that everyone and everything in the palace should remain for a hundred years just as they were at this very moment. Then, when the princess awoke she would be among her relatives and friends and in the familiar surroundings she knew and loved.
The fairy touched with her magic wand everyone in the palace, and as she did so, each became instantly frozen in a hundred years' sleep. She touched not only the king and queen and every guest, but all the palace attendants, from the royal ladies-in-waiting to the smallest errand boys, and even the stable boys, the horses, the dogs, the cats, the food at the banquet tables, and the vegetables and flowers in the gardens. Everything and everyone familiar to the Sleeping Beauty Princess was so touched with magic as to remain motionless, exactly as they were, for 100 years. Then the fairy flew away, but not until she had caused to grow all around the palace and its gardens a thick forest of trees so tall that nothing of the palace could be seen from outside except the very top of its highest tower and that only from a great distance. Then, to make it still more secure, the fairy surrounded the forest with thickets of bushes prickly with thorns and briars and walled by a matting of thickly entwined twines and roots. So dense were the thickets and so high the trees that the palace was completely invisible. Now, Just as the palace and all its inhabitants had lain in this magic sleep for very nearly a whole hundred years, a young prince in a neighbouring country was approaching his 20th birthday. He was a lad dearly beloved by all of his people, for he was not only strong and brave, but he was good and kind as well. All of his life he had heard mysterious stories of the enchanted castle, whose tower he could see only on a clear day high above a forest of tangled trees and briars. Many a knight, curious to know what might be within, had tried to penetrate the thickets, but each had failed in the attempt. But this young prince, younger and more courageous than the others, had made up his mind that on his 20th birthday he would try. Stories had reached him of a beautiful young maiden called Sleeping Beauty, asleep in the castle, waiting for a worthy prince to awaken her from the spell a wicked witch had put upon her. And so the prince hoped he would be the one to do so. True to his determination, the young prince set off bravely early on the morning of his birthday. He whistled gaily as he approached the dense wall of thickets and forests surrounding the castle. Looking about him, the prince felt daunted. But suddenly a marvellous thing happened. In the twinkling of an eye, the heavily intertwined branches untwined and the tall trees bent gracefully apart, leaving a narrow opening through which the prince could enter the path to the castle. They closed immediately after him so that no one else might follow. Narrow and winding as the path was, the prince followed it faithfully, glancing neither left nor right. At last he found himself in the courtyard of the castle itself. Flowers of the brightest hues, trees and shrubs of every description flourished in the gardens. But it was as if they were made of wax. Not a leaf, not a petal moved. At either side of the doorway, two courtiers stood on guard, their rifles rigid over their shoulders. But their eyes were closed and their legs motionless. Birds perched in the trees and squirrels decorated the stone stairs, but there was neither sound nor stir from any of them. 
The prince, bewildered indeed, entered the castle door and saw within it what looked like a waxen image of a great celebration in progress. There, motionless, yet with the flush of life on their faces, were great numbers of knights and ladies, nobles all, as well as courtiers, servants, flower girls and all manner of royal guests at what seemed like a very gay festivity. At one end stood a king and a queen, dancers about to whirl away in a waltz, musicians bent over their instruments, servants passing great silver trays of party food and party drinks. All stood like statues. In every room the prince saw the same kind of scene. Excited beyond bearing, for he felt he was nearing the object of his quest and the solution of the mystery, the prince leapt up the stairs till he came to a room as rosy pink and snowy white as a blossoming apple tree. There in the very centre of the room was a royal bed of carved wood hung with cloths of gold curtains and on it, deep in sleep, lay the sleeping beauty princess. She was the loveliest girl the prince had ever seen. He knelt by the side of her bed and touched her tenderly on the brow. Instantly there was life, sound and motion everywhere. Sleeping Beauty drew a long breath, smiled and opened her eyes. Oh my dear, she exclaimed as she saw the prince kneeling at her side. I knew that you would come. At once the musicians went on with the music they had so suddenly stopped playing so many years before. The dancers went on waltzing. The servants continued to pass their silver trays of food, which was as fresh and delicious as though it had just been prepared. The prince helped the princess, who was still in her exquisite ball gown, down into the great hall, where her father and mother, the king and queen, were overjoyed to welcome her. The prince asked her parents, then and there, for their daughter's hand in marriage, and they readily agreed. Indeed, at the prince's request, the festivities which had begun a hundred years ago, on her 16th birthday, were continued now as a wedding feast. And so the prince and Sleeping Beauty were married, and they lived happily ever after. The End <laughs>